0: All right, well, it is a blessing to get to be with you today, and I want to thank you all for your prayers and your support over these last several years. And um, this has been an interesting last year for me, as I think it has been for many of us. 2020 and 2021 has not been exactly what we might have expected. And for me, it has meant living online. as I have been trying to continue all my ministries in the Philippines from this side of the world, both my teaching ministry and then also my church ministry, and has not allowed for me to have very much in-person fellowship. And so it's a special treat to have some time this summer to be able to visit churches and be here in person. And it's, it's, um, I'm really thankful for that. So I wanna start with just talking a little bit about the country that the Lord has called me to serve in, in the Philippines. and. When I was here last time, I shared some of this, and I want to see if any of the girls here remember anything about the Philippines. Where is the Philippines? Does anyone even know where it's at? Is it close to us, or is it very far away from us? It's pretty much exactly on the other side of the world. You see in this map here, you see United States of America, You see where we're at, just below Michigan? And if you wanted to go to the Philippines, you would get in an airplane and you would actually fly this way above Alaska and around until you reached the Philippines. Does anyone wanna guess how long it takes to get to the Philippines? Faith, you have a guess? No, I think your mom has a guess yes it's about 20 hours and so that's about 20 hours of flight time and usually you have at least one layover sometimes two so at least 24 hours so at least a whole day and a whole night you're traveling and the interesting thing is when you arrive in the philippines if it's nighttime in the philippines it's morning here if it's morning here it's night there So, right now, all the children in the Philippines are in bed sleeping. (laughs) And tonight, when all of you girls go to bed, they'll all be getting up, and it will be Monday morning for them. So, they're ahead of us. They're always ahead of us. So, that can make things quite interesting, trying to teach in their time zone from this side of the world. Now, last time I was here, I think I also told you how many islands are in the Philippines. I'll show you a picture so you get a little bit of an idea how many islands there are. Anyone want to take a guess of how many islands they think are in the Philippines? Do you have a guess, Hope? No? no? There are more than 7,000 islands in the Philippines. They actually have just discovered a few more. Last time I was here, it was 7,107. And they have since found more islands. Depending how the tide works, they discover these new islands there. And many of them are not inhabited. Probably less than 1,000 are actually inhabited, have people on them, have roads and stores and houses. But there are really only 11 main islands. And the 11 main islands make up, I believe it's like 90% of the landmass. So many of the islands are just very, very small. There are a lot of people in the Philippines This is what Manila usually looks like, people everywhere. And this is why they've had a much bigger struggle with COVID and with the lockdown than we have had here, and it's hard for us to even imagine. But they have had one of the strictest and longest lockdowns in the world, and they're still not allowing foreigners back in. So that's why I'm having trouble getting back over to that side of the world. There are about 110 million people in the Philippines. So let's see. Hope, how old are you? Eight. What if I gave you the job to count all the people in the Philippines? Do you think you could do that? If I gave you that job and you started counting right now, one, two, three, four, five, and you never ate, and you never slept, you just kept counting, you would be 11 and a half before you finished counting all the people in the Philippines. That's how many people are there. There's a lot of people who need to hear about Jesus. And when I was just a child, I was eight years old at a camp one summer, at a summer camp, and I remember hearing a missionary talk. And it was during that session that I surrendered my life to the Lord and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. If you want me to go to another country, I'll go to another country. If you want me to serve here in the States, I'll serve here in the States. And so I was little like like you and I had no idea then that the Lord would send me to the Philippines on the other side of the world. In fact, I thought to be a missionary you had to be really adventurous and you had to love to eat strange food and you had to want to learn a bunch of languages and, and I wasn't that kind of a person. I didn't think that would be what the Lord had for me. But you know what it is? And I can tell you that I have loved what God has put before me, and I have loved being able to get to know a different culture and a different people group and be able to be in church with them and learn and and worship the Lord together with them. And my church is a very, very small church in the Philippines, we're not even in a very good area, very poor area, and I'm the only American who goes to my church. And I have an opportunity to really immerse in the culture. But I can tell you that there's no other church I would rather be in right now than that little church in the Philippines. And they have been meeting online now for almost 16 months. And if you would just keep them in prayer, I just, as I've had this little reprieve from the online life, I keep praying and praying for them. I know they need that as well, and that the Lord would open things up again quickly. So I trust all of you young girls would even ask the Lord and say, Do you want me to go to another place? And and be willing to tell the Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And when I was your age, I was just starting piano. When I was eight years old, when I surrendered to the Lord, I was just starting piano lessons. And you know what? I didn't like to practice. And I'm so thankful that I had a mom who encouraged me and required me to practice every day. Because little did I know, that that would be the very tool that the Lord would use on the mission field. And that I needed to develop that ability so that I could use it in the service for the Lord. So when you go to another country, one of the things that you will find is you have to learn another language, oftentimes. And in the Philippines, I was blessed because a lot of the Filipinos do know English. They study it in their schools, but they're very shy to speak it. And so my first years there as a short-termer, I could get by with only using English. But when I went back um, into 2018, once I raised my full-time support, I was able to devote my time to language study and begin learning the language. And it opened up so many doors as I was able to learn more of the language. So what I thought I'd start with this morning is teaching all of you a song in Filipino. Is that all right? Would you like to learn a Filipino song? Oh, I'll give it to you here so you can see it. All right, so I'm going to just teach you the words first, and we'll do a couple motions to help us. So the first word is ikaw, and it means you. So point to someone else and say ikaw. Ready? Ikaw. And then the next word is ako, and it means me. Ako. Ready? Again, ikaw, ako, And then the next two words are tayong lahat, and it means all of us tayong lahat okay can we try just that much ikaw ako tayong lahat good and then the next part is mahal which means love mahal ni jesus and you can probably guess what jesus is jesus so it has the idea of jesus loving you and me mahal ni jesus mahal ni jesus and then we'll repeat it ikaw ako taong lahat mahal mahal ni jesus so the second time we'll just say mahal twice and then ni jesus all right let's try this song together and let me see i want to be able to lead it here so i have the piano and maybe we can hear it on this Dayong lahat, mahal ni Jesus, mahal ni Jesus. Ika wako, dayong lahat, maha, mahal, mahal Jesus. That was pretty good. Do you think we can all stand up and try it again? Let's try it one more time, all standing. All right, ready? Ikaw ako tayong lahat, Mahal ni Jesus, Mahal ni Jesus. Ikaw ako tayong lahat, Mahal, Mahal ni Jesus. Very nice. Thank you. You may be seated. So that gives you a little taste of Filipino their words tend to be very long this happens to be a very simple one but their verbs especially have a very complex grammar system where their verbs get longer and longer and longer to mean different things and some of their words are long anywhere anyway so their word for faith is so if you can imagine singing a song like faith is the victory it wouldn't work very well <laughs> which is why I am there trying to help the students write music that actually fits their text that they can sing in church together. And I will share more this afternoon with everyone, just kind of about the ministry there in the Philippines and the the opportunities and the things the Lord opened up this past year for me. But what I would like to share with all of you this morning is really the lesson that the Lord has been teaching me this past year during the pandemic. It's kind of my pandemic lesson, I think. And I don't know how much here you all have struggled with emotional ups and downs and discouragements. And it seems that many people I've talked to the last 15, 16 months have just been unusual and challenging in, in different ways. Some not even related to the pandemic, but somehow it, it seems like it has made things more challenging, more difficult. And I know for myself and my friends in the Philippines, it has been a real struggle. It has been a daily struggle and a daily battle of just surrendering to the Lord and asking him to make us faithful for this non-personal life that he's given us. In the Philippines, the children are not allowed to leave the house. Anyone under the age of 15 right now, I think at one point it was anyone under the age of 20, not allowed to leave the house and anyone over the age of 60 or 65, not allowed to leave the house. And they've had various levels of strictness for the rest of the population. But it's been extremely challenging, as you can imagine, with many children in one small home and all doing school online. And it's very hot there. There have just been many, many challenges. And I know for myself, just not having the fellowship of church on a weekly basis is something that, that there are times I thought, I'm just gonna go crazy. <laughs> I just, I need that fellowship. And there are so many things the Lord taught me through going through this with my church family in the Philippines, even though I was doing it here, that I just want to share with you a lesson, and I've titled it Overcoming Discouragement, because this is really um, something that I think it's easy for me to think, well, Lord, if you just changed my circumstances, I wouldn't be struggling with discouragement, and yet that's, that's not what the Lord's plan was and what he wanted to teach. And so I want to start by just letting you see these two um, faces here okay you have happy face and a sad face and if i were to ask you which one is the godly christian and which one is the carnal christian what do you think we tend to think the one with the happy face is the is the godly christian and the one with the sad face must be the carnal christian and sometimes we tend to think that but is that really true if we think through scripture was jesus ever sad yes yes there are there are times of sorrow there are hardships in the christian life that are part of god's will for us and it has nothing to do with being spiritual or being carnal although our response to that does and there were times where as i struggled with discouragement on more of a daily basis and as there were days i would just pray and say lord help me to be faithful i have always loved being a teacher But I discovered this year after about one week of online teaching that why I love being a teacher is I love interacting with my students. And when you take away the interaction, I thought, I do not enjoy being a teacher anymore. Maybe I need to resign. This is not what I'm called to. And yet, how the Lord is using it and how the Lord is working, and I'll share maybe more this afternoon, but I was so challenged by the diligence of my students and by their eagerness to learn and how the Lord was using it for good even when maybe I was enjoying it less, God was still using it. And so a quote that really encouraged me, this is from one of my coworkers. he wrote this on his blog, and he said, the true test of spirituality is not one's emotional state at any given time, it's your love for God and your obedience to the commands of his word. And I found this so helpful. I didn't have to worry about Those days when I woke up and I already felt discouraged before I even got out of bed, I didn't have to think, oh, this is going to be a bad day. I thought, no, if my heart is loving the Lord and my heart is a willingness to obey Him, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling right now. I can still have a love for the Lord and I can still obey Him today. And what the Lord is really teaching me is it's our response to discouragement. This is what really matters. And how am I responding to these times, our our world is in a state of fear and uncertainty and discouragement. We have had students um, who have joined our online classes from Myanmar, and I don't know how much you have followed what's happening in Myanmar over the last year, but they had a military takeover, and a number of students who were in my class were not able to continue because their internet was cut out and they were restricted with only certain hours they were allowed to have internet. I was messaging, I had had a video call with one of the students, and she said, please pray for us. And, and, you know, this is really an uncertain time. I said, well, how are you doing? And she said, I know the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. I know God is still in control. And I was so touched by her response of faith and trust in an uncertain time. And she messaged me later and said, please pray for us right now. We hear the shooting in the background as, as the military would come into villages. She said, we're just in hiding right now. And they are facing this fear and uncertainty on a a level that most of us have never experienced. And her example of trust in the Lord has been a challenge to me. And as I look in scripture, there are examples that I see that I can learn from in difficult times. And I can learn from their responses. And the first example that I was thinking of was the example of Israel. This year in our church, we have... to try to encourage everyone to have a little more accountability and interaction with our situation, we have divided our church family into accountability groups for Bible reading. And so in our accountability groups, we've been able to discuss then our Bible reading, and I've been meeting with some of the young people, and even some of the children have joined, and wanted to read a certain number of verses per day, and it's been a blessing to see that. And as we went through the book of Numbers, I was just very struck with the example of the Israelites. They were discouraged. And if you want to turn to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, they're wandering in the wilderness. And of course, they faced many hard things. It was a comfort to me to think that no matter how long the lockdown is, probably it's not going to last 40 years. And probably that I'm not going to be facing what the Israelites went through for wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But yet in chapter 21 it says that the israelites the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way and sometimes it's just the hardness of the way that can bring discouragement and with the israelites this was the case that they were just discouraged because of the way and then if you look in verse 5 it says there for there is no bread neither is there any water and our soul loathes this light bread So the children of Israel, they were discouraged because their way was hard, because they had no bread, because they had no water, and what they did have, God had provided manna, but they were tired of it. (laughs) They were were wanting something else. And really we see at the heart of their their, um, response was a spirit of discontentment. They were discontent with God's provision for them. Even though God was providing and yet, they didn't have, have water at that moment. So how did they respond to this discouragement? How did they respond? And if you look at the beginning of verse 5, you see they said, they spoke against God and against Moses, saying, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? And their response was, they complained. Their response was complaining instead of going to the lord they complained to the lord they complained to moses and they saw the worst case scenario you're not taking care of us we're going to die they questioned and they doubted and these are tendencies this is the natural response to discouragement isn't it we complain we question we doubt we're discontent that's the natural response And in a way, you can almost look at Israel and think, well, didn't God God care about them? How did God respond to their complaint? If you look in verse 6, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people died. It got worse. It didn't get better. Their complaining did no good, he punished them, he sent fiery serpents, they bit the people and many died. And at first maybe we can have a little compassion for Israel and think, but it was really hard, they were discouraged, their situation was really hard. Shouldn't the Lord have had more compassion for them? Did the Lord care for them in their discouragement? Does he care for us in our discouragement? Does he care when things are hard? Did he provide for Israel? He did, he provided everything they needed but not everything they wanted, not in their timetable. And what was it that God wanted Israel to learn? He had some lessons he wanted them to learn in the wilderness, and for the most part, they didn't learn them. This went on year after year, and this was their response year after year as we read through the book of Numbers. So over and over in Numbers, we see this pattern. Israel faced a problem, they faced a trial. They responded by complaining. God responded by judging. And it just kept happening over, and over, and over again. And this was a real rebuke to me, because I thought, this is how my flesh wants to respond. I want to complain, and I realized it's not going to do any good. <laughs> I realized, okay, this is the one response I should not have. I should not have a complaining spirit, because it's only, only going to make things worse. But then I was thinking about Moses, and Moses was also there with the Israelites in the wilderness. And Moses didn't do things perfectly, but very, very often, he had a different response than Israel. Do you know what Moses did over and over when the Israelites complained? Moses prayed. He ran to the Lord. He went to the one who could solve the problem, and he prayed. And do you know what happened after Moses prayed? Every time, God answered. God delivered. And there was this cycle. There are two choices that I have in discouragement. I have a choice to respond by complaining. I have a choice to respond by praying. And the end result of those responses makes it very obvious which response the Lord wants me to have. So what's the lesson that God wants Israel to learn in their discouragement? And what do you think is the lesson God wants us to learn when he allows prolonged, difficult times and discouraging times? How do we respond? when things are discouraging for us. So when a trial brings discouragement, here are the two responses we can have. Complain, receive God's judgment, or pray and receive God's deliverance. And I was so challenged by this um, as I was thinking through this past year. And then the Lord reminded me of another Bible character, and this is a passage I have always loved, in the book of first samuel if you want to turn to first samuel chapter 30 and i would like to look at the life of david as he takes this right response and takes it even a step further for us first samuel chapter 30. in this passage we see that david was also discouraged And if you look in verse 3, we see why. David was living in the land of the Philistines at this time, still running from Saul. And he was living um, in the city of Ziklag. And he was gone, and when he came back in verse 3, it says, And David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. So it was a pretty discouraging situation his place where he lived the whole city was burned with fire and all of his family and all that he owned was taken away by the enemy so that would be quite discouraging and then to make matters worse we look at verse 6 it says david was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. It got worse. Not only was David grieving, his family's gone, his wife and children are gone, his possessions are gone, but all the people that were with him want to blame him. It's your fault. Let's stone David. So now his own life is in danger. Okay, so this is a pretty discouraging situation, and I love the last phrase of verse 6. If you look at that last phrase, how does David respond to his discouragement? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And if we continue looking through the chapter, we won't go through the whole rest of the story, but what you'll see is David goes to the Lord in prayer. He inquires of the Lord, what should he do? Should he follow after the army? And the Lord says, yes, he'll give him the victory. And Not only did God promise he would recover all that was lost, God gave him the victory over the enemy. And so by David running to the Lord, God gave him the victory. And so as I think about David, think about what can we learn from his life? Do you know that the Lord gave us a whole book, the book of Psalms, many of which are written by David, that show us how he responded over and over, how he encouraged himself in the Lord. What does it look like for us to encourage ourselves in the Lord when we're discouraged? So the first truth that I want to just think of um, from the life of David, as we think through the book of Psalms and think through his example, is when we're discouraged, we just have to run to the Lord. There's nowhere else we can run. We have to run to him. Sometimes it's tempting to, to think, you know, I'm so discouraged right now I can't go to the Lord because I don't feel very spiritual. I have to wait till I feel a little more spiritual to go to the Lord. But that's not what the Bible says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. And we can run to the Lord in our most discouraging state. And we can, as the psalmist says again in Psalm 62, trust in him at all times, ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. We can pour our our heart before the Lord. We don't need to disguise it. We don't need to... um, pretend to be what we're not. We can tell the Lord exactly where we're at, and pour out our heart. And sometimes in the Psalms, David talks about pouring out his complaint to the Lord. This is just being perfectly honest about our struggles. I was able to listen in on a class on prayer from one of our other college teachers this past year, and um, Dr. Kama Biyashiyama, the director of our college, was teaching, and he made a distinction that I thought was very, very helpful. When we think of complaining, we know it's a sin. And we saw that God judged the children of Israel when they complained. But there's a distinction between pouring out our complaint to God and complaining to others. And I want to give you the two distinctions that he made that were helpful to me. It's who we complain to, are we complaining to ourselves and to other people or are we complaining to god are we running to god and telling him our struggle and then the second is are we complaining in faith or in unbelief when we complain to other people when the israelites complained they had no faith involved they were just saying you brought us here to die they're thinking worst case scenario when david pours out his complaint to god he's saying lord you're my hope you're the one This is what my problem is, but you're the one who can help me. And there's a faith attached to that complaint. And so it's not wrong for us to pour out our heart to the Lord and to tell him our struggles and to tell him our sorrows and to let him be the one who can comfort us as long as we are also doing it in faith, believing, Lord, you're the answer. You're more than enough for me. And um, one of the times this past year that was probably the most difficult for me was last fall. I, was, I had a very heavy teaching schedule, I was adjusting still to first semester and teaching online and what that was like. And, and for me, it was probably two or three times as much work, and at least half as much fun. And it was just, I, w- I was just very um, stressed. I felt stressed every day. I felt like I was back in college, you know, with all these pressures and projects and trying to prepare and get ready for my classes in the evening. And during that time, my aunt became very, um, she was diagnosed with cancer my dad's only sister, and my parents ended up going to Arizona and they were gone for about five weeks. And I had been staying with my parents and they live kind of out in the country, not really, we don't have a lot of neighbors around us and not a lot of fellowship there. And so when I knew that they were going to be gone, I thought, okay, I'm changing my schedule. I'm going to get out of the house some. I'm not going to be alone here for five weeks. And I had kind of made plans how I could get out even in the afternoon here or there and see some people so I wasn't so isolated. And about a week after they left, I got very sick. And I had cold type symptoms. I don't think it was COVID, but you know, in our world today, it meant that I couldn't leave the house and I couldn't do any of the plans that I had made. And so for those five weeks, I was just at home. I was just isolated. And I was already kind of feeling that isolation just building up after after these months of teaching. And I remember it was a very nice day and I was so grateful that I could at least get outside and walk. And I was outside just walking, and I was in this state of pouring out my complaint to God. <laughs> I was saying, Lord, you know that you created us for people and for fellowship, and I'm just going to go crazy. I just need some fellowship with someone. And I felt like the Lord was just saying, do you believe that I always meet your needs? Like, well, well, yes, I believe that. Do you believe that I'm more than enough for you? Well, yes, I believe that too. It's like the Lord said, well, then thank me that I'm meeting all of your needs right now. And that's where the relief came. That's where the joy and peace came back is when I recognize that's right. God is, he is more than enough. He's what I need. I think I need something else, but he knows that he is what I need. He is more than enough for me. And then this leads right into um, oh, one more verse. I forgot to mention Psalm nine, verse 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee for thou Lord has not forsaken them that seek thee the more we come to know who our God is. And it takes sometimes these, these difficult times for us to know our God better, to know who he is. And then it leads us to really coming to praising him, praising him for who he is. You read through a Psalm, even the most dark and dreary Psalm as David pours out his complaint or his struggle to the Lord, and almost always the Psalm ends with praise he turns his eyes back onto who his God is. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You know, praise is so powerful. Think of Paul and Silas in prison. Think of King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament and how he had the, the singers go before him praising the Lord and then the enemy was defeated. There is a power in praise when we praise the Lord, when we rejoice in the Lord, it doesn't exclude pain. There can be pain and praise at the same time. There can be sorrow and joy at the same time. And it's often the last thing we want to do when we feel discouraged. And yet it's the only thing that's going to help us is to turn our eyes on the Lord. So I remember another time I was again feeling quite discouraged and I was again just Um, It was actually super cold outside, so I couldn't even get outside as it was winter, and so I was kind of pacing back and forth in the house, just again pouring out my complaint to the Lord. But this time, I felt like I could hardly even pray. Have you ever been there? Where sometimes you pray and you get relief, and sometimes it's like you can't even. I felt like by praying, I was focusing on the problem, and I just felt more discouraged. (laughs) Like, Lord, you know this, and I don't need to remind you. You already know. And the Lord, again, just reminded me and said, praise me. Praise me for who I am. That's what you need, to take your, take your eyes off the problem and just look at who I am. And I began going through the alphabet, starting with A. Lord, thank you that you are all-powerful, that you are all-knowing. Thank you that you are the beginning and the end. You're the creator, you're the comforter, you're compassionate. You are my deliverer. You are my friend, you are faithful. And just kept going through the alphabet, A all the way to Z, to try to just keep my mind. And by the end of that time, I was so encouraged. It had strengthened and encouraged my faith and encouraged my spirit as I took my eyes off of myself and my own desires and put them back on my great God and his purpose and his plan. And I want to show you this diagram. This is um, also from my coworker who wrote this blog post, and I just felt like it was so helpful. This is a normal pattern for all of our life. All of us are going to have downtimes, and all of us are going to have uptimes. And sometimes they happen daily. Sometimes they're more spread out. But how do we respond in those times? When I am down, do I give in to doubt and despair and trusting in human solutions? Or do I hope in eternity at those times? Do I pray? Do I depend on the Lord? And when I am up, do I lift myself up in pride and self-sufficiency? Am I satisfied with the things of this earth? Or do I respond with praise and gratitude and joy in the Lord? And it's so challenging that we will have these ups and down times, and yet, as we respond properly, the Lord will use it to deepen our walk with Him. I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling, the last thing I want to do is talk to somebody who seems like they have it all together and they never struggle. You know what I mean? It feels like you don't even understand. You don't even know what I'm going through. But to talk to somebody who you know has been through trials and has been through difficulties and has proven the Lord faithful, that's the person I wanna talk to. That's the one who will encourage me. And so often it's these down times that the Lord helps use in our life to deepen our walk and to help us to minister better to others. There's coming a day when the Lord will triumph and we will not have, he will wipe every tear away. We will not have these ups and downs. But until then, this is part of our lives. And as ladies, it's part of our life even more. And for us to learn how to respond in the midst of, of struggles. I want to remind us of this quote I shared at the beginning. The true test of spirituality is not one's emotional state at any given time. It's your love for God and obedience to the commands of his word. And for myself, as I think of looking forward right now, The Philippines is not talking at all about letting in-person classes begin again anytime soon. We we are for sure be online another semester. It's possible we'll be online another year. There was actually an announcement made from the Department of Education that in-person classes will begin in 2023. And we don't know that that's really real. Uh, Many have said probably they're just saying that and they'll maybe change their mind and reevaluate as time goes on. there is a possibility. It could be another year, it could be another two years. And as I think of that, that's not what I would choose. In fact, when I was on deputation, if I thought that I was raising support to be a Zoom, an online Zoom missionary, I probably would have resigned. But yet, if this is God's choice, I need to accept it with joy. I need to surrender. And I would appreciate prayers that the Lord would just help me to be faithful and that he would overcome the, the challenges of ministering through a screen I feel limited, but God is not limited. He is not limited by a computer screen, and he has showed so many glimpses of how he's working despite the difficulty of the circumstances and even how he's doing bigger things and better things in hearts and lives as a result of the circumstances. But, um, of course, humanly, we would like it to be more ideal for us. And so just pray that the Lord would help me to accept it with joy. And then if you think of praying for the ladies in my church, especially i know that this past year has been very hard for them very discouraging and discouragement and even depression has been a huge topic in the philippines in sunday schools and in different different um bible classes as that's something that i think they're all struggling with is how do we maintain good emotional health in the midst of such isolation um, and such difficult times so if you would keep them in prayer and We are praying that the Lord would allow my church to meet. Right now they're able to meet at about, um, some churches are able to meet at 30% capacity, but because our church building is so small, we have not been able to meet yet. So the Lord could answer that two different ways. He could allow the restriction to lift more so that my church could begin meeting even in smaller groups, or he could provide a building for us. We have for years been praying for our own building And if the Lord would provide a building for us and a larger building, we would then maybe be able to meet as well. So I know the Lord is not limited in those things and he is working during this time. And I would appreciate prayer for that as well. Um, So just in conclusion here, discouragements will come, emotional ups and downs will come, but we need to be careful how we respond when we're discouraged. And instead... We must choose to encourage ourselves in the Lord by running to him, by telling him our struggles, by praising him. And this is really the key to being encouraged. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the book, What Do I Know About My God? by Marty Collier. Maybe some of you have read that book. That is a book that we used at the beginning of the pandemic with um, the ladies in the Philippines. We did a Bible study through that book. And one of the things that she encourages you to do is to have a plan in your Bible reading where you begin looking for attributes of god every day as you're reading you're looking for attributes of god and then you begin a journal with a different attribute of god on every page so you you come across a verse and god is in control and you write the verse here god is love and you write the verse here and and by the end of your study you have this entire notebook filled with topical verses about who your god is and she goes on to share throughout the book just how the lord use that in her life how she each day something would happen and she would say what do i know about my god and she'd run to her book to help her to respond correctly to that situation and to read through all the verses on that god is in control and just to remind her and to calm her spirit and to put her focus back on her god and that has been a blessing to us and something we've encouraged the ladies there to to begin compiling their own journal, their own notebook, something they can use in their prayer time, something they can run to throughout their day. And I would um, encourage you as well, if you don't have a Bible study plan like that, to begin writing down truths about God that we can keep our eyes fixed on him during these times. All right. Thank you very much. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you are our God, Lord, you are our Father, that you are good, that you are gracious. Lord, that you do meet all of our needs and that you do know what is best for us. And Lord, I don't know the the challenges that you have brought into the lives of each one in this room. And yet, I know that you're sufficient for every one of them. And I just pray that you would help us to encourage ourselves in you. Lord, help us to know how to run to your word and to run to you even when we have no one else to run to. Lord, that you would be our first place that we go that you would encourage our heart in in yourself and that you would teach us to praise you at all times. And Lord, as I think of believers throughout the world who are facing much, much more challenging things, and I think especially of our brothers and sisters in Myanmar and all that they're facing right now, I pray that you would give them a special sense of your presence and that you would keep their eyes fixed on you and that you would give them encouragements as well, that you would meet every one of their needs. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to continue to be faithful, Lord, that... Whatever the future brings, that we would continue to keep our eyes upon you and we would continue to be faithful servants of yours. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.